Hey everyone, welcome again to the Badass Podcast, the Batman the Animated Series show podcast, where we talk about Batman the Animated Series. My name is Clay McCormick, and with me as always is Sean Murphy. How you doing, Sean? Good, man. Yeah, I'm excited. I liked the, uh, I thought I liked both of these episodes, but yeah. it turns out I really only liked one of them. I... I'm going to be, I have a feeling I know which one it is, but I'm curious to see what you say. Um, I have, okay. I have, I have some thoughts about both of these episodes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're going to be doing two episodes today. We're going to be doing the lion and the unicorn and showdown. So we'll take a quick break mm-hmm. and then we'll be back with lion and the unicorn. Okay, The Lion and the Unicorn, written by Diane Duane, Peter Morwood, and Steve Perry, directed by Boyd Kirkland. And in this one, the Red Claw organization kidnaps Alfred, seeking a code they need to arm a weapon of mass destruction that Alfred knows from his days as a British secret agent. Fun fact about this episode, this was actually the last episode of the series. It was not the last episode produced, but it was the last Mm. episode they aired before they everything turned over into the new animation style and the continuing oh. adventures of Batman. Yeah. Huh. Um, Interesting. Yeah. There's still a lot left, though. Like, did they get it done early? That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, all of these shows have been... were aired in different orders from, from the production, which is what we're doing, the production order, not the airing order. And, right. uh, yeah, I guess it was just... It was done before... Batgirl mm. Returns. Batgirl Returns is the last produced episode, but uh, right. Lion and the Unicorn. I guess maybe it took longer to produce if that's the, that's the case because it was the last episode. But yeah, well, getting Kate Mulgrew was really hard. Well, back I then. think I think the hard part was probably the fact that they over rendered the fog in London a little bit. I think in this episode. <laughs> well, it's easier to fog the hell out of London and then not have to worry about animating uh piccadilly circle that's true yeah like that yeah i so yeah we have (laughs) we have an interesting episode because they're doing the alfred's backstory as a secret agent sort of thing which i don't Uh actually know if they did it if that was an element of his story before they did it here i don't know if it shows up in the comic before this or whatnot but that seems to be the standard go-to for him from this point on but uh, the villain is Red Claw, who I don't like, just generally. Agree. And yep. her plot is the most stock bad guy plot. It's basically Austin Powers. It, yeah, it's total James Bond. Yeah. She's, I, it's funny, I like her look a lot. I hate her as a character. Yeah. <laughs> and on top of that, you introduce this element of Alfred being this... Uh, before he became formidable. a butler. Yeah, he's a formidable former secret agent guy or what, even right. if he was doing paperwork or I don't know. I don't know what they say. But yeah. you you bring that up in like four lines of dialogue and then you don't explore it at all in the story. Yeah, that was the for me the biggest annoyance was that they had this teed up to be really cool and then Alfred didn't do anything cool except hit someone over the head with a chair. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Batman takes care of the missile all by himself in the end. Like Alfred needed to be more involved in the plot and maybe even like save Batman or something at some point. Yeah. You know? I I'm looking at this episode and comparing it to not only the next one that we watched, but also one like uh the one from the first season where it's all about the flashbacks between Rupert Thorne and his brother and stuff. 
And, yeah. and those guys get a whole those guys get a whole episode about these characters we don't really care about, uh, like, <laughs> and we get yeah. to learn all about their uh, growing up together. The next episode. Yeah is just a Jonah Hex episode for some reason. <laughs> and this one, you're taking Alfred, who's a fan-favorite character that's been around since the beginning of the creation of Batman, and yeah. injecting this new element that, that has definitely not been, at the very least, in this show before. And all right. it gets is a couple sentences um, inside a red claw needs a million dollars or she's going to blow up London thing. Five billion dollars. Yeah, whatever. Or then, and then she switches to euros or <laughs> pounds or whatever. No, I guess it would be pounds back then. Anyway, um, yeah, dude, that's the thing. It's just a, such a missed opportunity. I would have loved to. Like, if you pitch this to me, I'm like, that sounds fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. But be anything beyond the pitch is kind of not good. Right. Like, I started this out thinking, oh yeah, this is going to be a five, and I was like, I don't know, it's kind of slow. Alfred doesn't do much. Maybe I'll go four. And now I'm barely holding on to a three. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's that. I think I I kind of went through the same thing where I was like, oh well, I mean, this looks pretty good. Uh, London yeah. looks pretty murky and and gross. Somehow they managed <laughs> London to look even darker than Gotham. Uh, yeah. like, oh, Red Claw. Yeah. Oh, I don't like. Her. Oh, she all she wants is money to blow something up. Uh, I don't know about that. Then the Alfred yeah. thing. It's like they don't do anything with it, and I just it just kept ticking down for me. The same yeah. uh, rating wise. Yeah, yeah. Like I would have added. Like, why did he leave? Let's just say it's the SAS, right? Let's. Why did he leave the SAS? What kind of history does he have with this guy who's a brother? Like, there's so much you could do if you really wanted to make this Heart of Ice level good. You would need to come up with some really great st- stuff there, and they just—they don't even try right. to get into it. Yeah, I yeah. think that by being veiled about it, that that's just going to hint at some deep past, and it just doesn't quite deliver. Yeah, I mean, you've got again not to compare it. We haven't talked about the next episode yet, but we may as well a little bit. But um, the next episode, you've got this Batman present framing device for literally mm-hmm. a story about Jonah Hex that takes place in the 1800s. Yeah. Um, so you don't need they didn't need Batman for that story. Do you need Batman right. for this story? I feel like you could this could have just been an Alfred story and it would have worked right. totally well. Even if you keep the right. same plot and it's like oh red claws doing blah blah blah. But the body of the story involves Alfred mm-hmm. and the people he used to work for and being pulled back into the game or whatever, you know, spy yeah. bullshit. Um, yeah. that seems a much more interesting story than what they ended up doing. Right. Yeah. Cause you've got, Again, you've got they, Batman, yeah, always... Batman and Robin <laughs> flying to London in the Batwing, which that seems like it's, it's going to be a cramped, what is it? Can yeah. you pee in the Batwing? Like, is there anywhere to pee <laughs> when you're halfway over the Atlantic? I think there's a hole in the bottom that they pee sure. out of. Um, but you know, you've got Batman and Robin <laughs> flying to London and uh showing up in the office and they're like oh this is scary yeah and he's like sorry to interrupt but please continue yeah it's like, those guys don't right, even, here's our secret file batman <laughs> they don't even bat an eye that batman and robin have just walked in through their window somehow and then they just hand all the secret for the sas files over to batman yeah i love how london is going to be blown off the face of the earth and it's a, a meeting of three people is really gonna that's all you need to solve this problem right it's just three yeah. people in a row i don't care who those people are it's not enough right <laughs> right it could if it was like if it was like margaret thatcher uh winston churchill and uh, <laughs> yeah. alfred alfred london the creator of the city of london i don't think it would be enough is that really who created london no it was just a name i pulled out <laughs> okay 
Um, and then at the end, at the end, you know, they set up this bomb, right? They say, oh, I'm going to launch this bomb and blow up London off the face of the earth. Batman blows it up like 25 feet from Big Ben. <laughs> yeah. He shoots it out of the air and it's just yep. like a normal bomb. Like it's not a nuke yep. or anything. It's just a, you know, last second he hits it with a couple uh, ballistic missiles and, you know. Yeah. You know, wipes his brow and, like the, and says, whew, that was a close one. And then they fly home. Yeah. Like, they went through this, like, Temple of Doom type booby traps inside this Scottish castle. And it's like, I don't care about that right now. I'd, why can't you give me more of Alfred's past instead of giving me that, that shit? Right. Or Batman's getting into the plane and somehow not knowing Red Claw was in the back seat for, like, a good 10 minutes before she finally reaches forward and tries yes. to choke oh, him I out. Oh, I forgot about that. She somehow <laughs> hides in the back seat of the bat plane. Yeah. <laughs> Um, when you get in, you're kind of in a rush. He's got a lot to do. I could see him not seeing a six foot five tall Amazonian woman dressed in bright red. Bright red yeah. yeah, I could see why that would just fade into the background. Well, you know, if you hide in the right shadows, you just mistake it for Robin because it's the that's, same. It's that's the same true. color scheme. Robin, what's with the gray streak in your hair? Whatever. Robin, Let's you've go get that uh, missile. You've uh, grown in certain areas. <laughs> Robin, you're showing some sexy sol- soldier. So, sorry, Robin, you're showing some sexy shoulder. I like it. Yeah, I'm, I, I want to tell you, I'm I'm totally here for it. And you do you do you, man. Whatever you feel comfortable doing. Um, you know, it's. I wonder. So this is the they're getting to the end of this season. They've done eighty. This will be uh, Lion and the Unicorn was the seventy seventh episode they produced. Batgirl Returns, uh-huh. which is the final episode, is 85 episodes. So they've done like 85 episodes straight. I wonder if they're running out of steam a bit because I've noticed this season they seem to be going out of their way to get Batman out of Gotham. Right. You've got the Egypt episode with Ra's al Ghul. Um, right. The episode where they end up in the forest with Killer Croc. This one, right. Batman goes to London. The next episode is just the Old West it's a lot of non-Gotham stuff, and I wonder if it was they just wanted to mix it up and just do some new stuff. Are they running out of right. ideas? I'm not really sure, because sending him to London in and of itself, not a terrible idea, but right. it's not based on, it seems to me based on what they spent their time on in this episode, it was more... Right there was more interest in doing new locations and new drawings than it was the story. So the reason I don't think that's true, cause I'm looking forward to the, to the, I'm looking at the list of the future episodes here. Uh, Riddler's reform is very good. Uh, I don't remember second chance. Oh, I think it's, no, I don't. Uh, Harley's holiday is really good. Lock up is interesting. Make them laugh is great. Um, there's another one with Mr. Freeze coming up that's fantastic. Right. Like, I don't, if you're saying that maybe they're running out of gas, like, I don't feel that way by looking at what's coming up. Yeah. And I mean, the stuff that we've, we've had, uh, before this has been pretty solid. I mean, Baby Doll was really good. Um, right. the, Har- the Harley Quinn episode was really good. House and Garden yeah. is really interesting. Trial is cool. So it seems, I mean, maybe they just hit a rough patch in this one and it, this was just like a, we, we got to get this one done. Yeah, I think so. Because I think Deep Freeze, especially as an episode, is it's not as good as Heart of Ice, but it is really close, yeah. in my opinion. And Showdown, uh, Showdown, the next episode we're doing today, is while it's probably not one of my favorite episodes, they yeah. pulled out a lot of stops on that one. Like, the animation on right. that is fantastic, but we'll talk about that when we get to it. Yep. Yeah, for sure. 
Uh, so why do they call this lion and the unicorn again? Uh, that is the password that Alfred has. He has the second oh, half okay. of the password, and the password is lion and unicorn. I believe okay, cool. it is. I, uh, that... It is something to. I guess I can look it up. Um, but I believe it has something to do with uh, Parliament or something. It's a symbol of of the government, I believe. Okay. Because okay. I, I think right. uh, I could be making that up. Yeah. Have you ever drawn London before, or like the fog the, in the city that looks like London? I have not. Just quick, real quick. Uh, according to Wikipedia. The lion and the unicorn are, are symbols of the United Kingdom. They are, properly speaking, heraldic supporters appearing in the full royal, card of court, royal coat of arms of the United Kingdom. The lion stands for England and the unicorn for Scotland. The combination, therefore, dates back to the 1603 ascension of James I of England, who was already James VI of Scotland. By extension, they have also been used in the arms of Hanover between 1837 and 1866 and the arms of Canada since 1921. Okay, so not random. Got it. Right. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> gotta be that, to take it further, like I would have made Alfred's code name the lion, and then the other guy would be the unicorn. Sure. <laughs> he wants he wants to be the unicorn. He got the short end of the stick. Yeah. Uh, and then make the other guy have a Scottish accent, and Alfred obviously has a British accent. Yeah. And make there's there's a there's the beginning of a good backstory already. Right. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Instead, the way it comes out is. Is he gets juiced up with truth serum and Alfred's like, I'm just going to speak gibberish. And he just starts saying it. And then he starts saying the line in the unicorn and Red Claw's like, oh, that doesn't sound like that gibberish seems more reasonable than the other gibberish. That must be the password. Hmm. It did get me thinking. It it did get me thinking about those scenes. You know, they do those. Give me the password scenes scenes a lot. And I was thinking I couldn't decide whether it would be great or if it would be stupid to do a scene like that where the person who's doing the interrogating is like, give me the password. And the other person says, go fuck yourself. And then they keep going back and forth like that. And ultimately it turns out the password is go fuck yourself. Yeah. That's, isn't that been in the, that's been lampooned somewhere. I'm, I'm sure, sure it has. It's basically who's on first, but for passwords, yeah. I guess. I tell you though, my favorite scene ever of a secret agent tr- giving up passwords and he's under the truth serum is in True Lies. Yes, yeah. With uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. When he starts telling them, first I'm going to kill you with the yeah. Travis and trouble <laughs> on the table. Then I'm going to, you know, you know, my handcuffs? I picked them. Yeah. Oh, God, that's such a fucking good scene. Yeah. yeah, yeah. James Cameron, probably the best batting average among directors in Hollywood, I think. Yeah. It helps huh. that he's only have, made like... i get my spreadsheet out. Yeah, it helps that he's only made like six movies, though. So. Yeah, when he took when he does a mic drop after Avatar and he hasn't done much for 10 years, I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's, he, he, he has nothing to apologize for. Oh, he's he's but... he's looking to bring that batting <laughs> average way down with Avatar 2, two through 5 whenever those come out. Uh, yeah. Well, they have the theme parks, you know, so what are you going to do? Sure. Not make those movies? Right, I mean, hello. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, um, so... Uh, for me, what I was trying to think, like, do I? Want, I like drawing London, so that's what I was asking you about mm-hmm. drawing London before. I have drawn it in Hellblazer, and um, even drawing Gotham back in. No, no, I sorry, I did draw London in Curse of the White Knight, and I got to go back to like London right before the Great Fire, um, and the London Fire in the 1666 happened right around the plague. It was a really shitty decade for London, mm. obviously. And trying to find the right kind of houses with the thatched roofs and all that stuff was, was kind of tricky, but uh, I was pretty happy with, with the way I pulled it off. Um, I 
do like drawing London if I have time. So that might be the thing that I want to draw. But I want to draw Alfred and his buddy kicking ass through London. Yeah. I uh, The one thing that I really liked about this episode is the sequence where uh, when Batman and Robin are working their way up to find uh, Alfred. And yep. there's this great scene where they're like down in the sewers or something and there's three yeah. guys with guns who are walking and then Batman and Robin silently take them all out one by yeah. one. I know. That was great. That was some top-notch yeah. Batmaning. Um, and it's like not that hard to animate because they're walking. They're in animation cycles, walking towards the camera, yep. black background, and you see Robin blur, and one guy's just missing. Yeah, <laughs> it just happens three more times. Like you can like that must have been like a day of animation. You can almost <laughs> see like the the animator's thumb in screen as he grabs Robin's cell and just slides it to the left to make it look like he's going across the screen. But uh, I thought too, like, how would you do that in comics? Like, how would you get that moment to moment gag? How would you portray that? Or is it even possible? Yeah, well, that's what I was thinking. I would, I would want to draw because I was thinking about that. It's like that's such a Batman thing that yeah. is, if you're trying to go for that sort of energy, it can be difficult to do because you're only working with with static images. Um, right. So I think that would be fun to do, like a page of that where you've got. I think you, I think you probably need most of a page to do that. Yeah, you might need small panels yeah. to show like all five guys, then a blur, and then panel three, one guy's missing, yeah. then another blur, and then panel five, five, another guy's missing. So you'd have to do a lot of stat statting. You can, it could be pretty monotonous. I bet by the end of the day you're going to regret that. Well, I think it depends on how you do it because I think you could kind of do the thing where you shoot, you see the guys walking, and then like yeah. you see Batman's hand like each uh, inching in from off the top of the panel, like he's about to grab him, and then the next mm-hmm. panel, the guy in the front, you maybe you shoot him from the back. You turn his yeah. head, he turns his head, and that one guy's gone now. So you know, right. I think you can get a little credit. I don't think it has to be straight into camera That's the cool. way they're doing it here. It's 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 interesting because if you're if you don't have time. You just need Batman or Robin to take out five people. Right. You can do that in one splash three, if you really want to. I was going to say three small panels of fists punching faces and you're good exactly. to go. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And then a few panels of sound effects and then pull back and you see everybody's knocked out except yeah. for Batman or Robin. So it is cool when artists do go that extra length because it's not it's it's kind of it's not what you expect to see in comics all the time. Right. It's definitely somebody who likes that kind of storytelling and is going all out. Because I don't think that's the kind of script you're really going to get. Because writers don't think that way. That's a sequential brain thinking about that. Yeah. You know, you know I wonder, do you ever feel, and uh, you've written for other artists, not a ton of times up to this point, but you have done it. Yep. Do you, have you as an artist or as you as a writer ever felt like the artist... Um, the artist screwed it up. No, yeah. no. The, I'm trying to figure out how to word this. The artist uh, thought that the artist had a different idea of what the money page was than you did. So, like, if we're talking about this story, you mm. might think that oh, the the page that I want the artist to put all his work into is the one where they Batman and Robin come like busting up out of the floor or something like that. But right. the artist, whoever they are, might be more sequential minded, so they put all their money, they put all their time into this scene of, of Batman doing Batman stuff under, under the, uh, under underground. Have you ever felt that way where like you get a script and you focus in on something where you're like, Oh man, this is going to be great to draw. This is going to be where I put my energy, but it, it's not (laughs) what maybe the script could possibly have intended was that scene. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean with Mateo on Harley right now, um, 
he i mean we're i'm i'm i the difference is like i will tell my artists hey this is where your calories go this is where you focus on if one thing in this issue needs to be pot it has to be this thing and then i'll give them easy pages and say hey just just i know this is mostly talking heads if just give me one background one panel and this could be like a half day so relax on this page but the page after that i'm going to need you take it to take it up to 11. Mm -hmm. um when i was working with scott it was like take it up to 11 take it up to 11 take it up to it was like uh, he never said those words but like the stuff that he was having me draw it's like oh my god I'm, i'm not getting any breaks here every other page is like a thousand mermaids attack somebody um, so I try to pull my punches when I can and really go at it when I need to, as far as my scripts go. So I generally try to describe it to Matteo and generally he does exactly what I'm looking for. Sure. And I don't know if it's because I'm super good at describing things, which probably isn't the case, or if he and I are just very similarly minded as artists that we just generally go towards the same, uh, high points. Mm. What about, have you, what about with you as Sorry. the artist, like say on something like Joe the Barbarian or Hellblazer? Was there ever yeah. was there ever stuff that you zeroed in on where you're like, oh, I'm gonna draw the shit out of this staircase, and then it's yeah, like, no, Joe the Barbarian. There, the script was like Joe is uh, he's this kid. It's like never ending story type of thing. Mm-hmm. This kid gets home, he's not feeling well because he needs his meds. He's walking through the house, and I drew the ass out of that house. Mm. I gave it like the correct, you know, passe 1980s Aztec furniture. I had the colorist color it just right. Like I was going nuts and. Uh, and he gets to his room, and you know Grant Morrison was like, "Yeah, he's got like soldiers and blocks and toys." And I'm like, "No, no, no! He's got a train and a gerbil and like Transformers and GI Joes and this and that and laser tag and blah 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 blah." Like I made it the ultimate 1985 kids' bedroom, basically. Right, right. And it wasn't even set in 1985. <laughs> I was just <laughs> like, "Well, this is where I'd want to be." Like he didn't have an Xbox. Um, so I went nuts on that. And then the reviews came back like, wow, we love this whole sequence. Like some people wrote breakdowns of that moment to moment storytelling. And I was flattered because I'd never really gotten that much attention as an artist before in my mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. And I think Grant was stunned. He's like, oh shit, I just wrote blocks and stuff. Now I'm going to have to like go back and write the space captain says this and the robot says that, you know? Sure. Yeah. So I think I startled him by focusing on that, but I don't know what else I was supposed to focus on because that was supposed to be the big splashy stuff of the whole issue. Right. So right. I don't know. Yeah, that's interesting how yeah. how that that plays out with between artists and writers sometimes. Uh, the yeah. one the one time that I I, I felt something like that was uh, I was doing this was doing this book Redline and it's um it's pretty it's pretty lewd as far as the humor and stuff goes, and there's a there's a scene. At the beginning of, of one of the issues where uh, this this guy has a suicide bomb vest go off and the only thing that's left are his shoes and his giant severed dick. And Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. In in the <laughs> in the script, it's like all its glory, severed dick, blah blah blah. But I'm I'm like reading this going like, Well, I don't want to go too over the top with this severed dick thing. Uh, I'm going to focus on try and focus on like the reaction shots. So I did my layout and I sent my layout over and the writer wrote back. He's like, no, I need you to go as big as possible of a panel with this severed dick. And I was like, "Okay, if that's where you want me to put my energy, that's where I'm going to put the energy. So I ended up doing like a splat, almost a splash page worth of just a giant severed cock. And it was uh, to this day, it's still the most disgusting thing I've drawn. Yeah. Redline available yeah. now and it yeah. knows its comic get, get the variant cover. Um so what would you uh what would you rate this one? Um 
man, if I was generous, I'd say three, but I'm going to say two. Yeah, I'm feeling the same way. Oof. I just, it's, yeah. it's so much potential, so much potential. Yeah, yeah. I'd love this. I'd love to have our whole redo on this one. You yeah. have, like you said, that episode with the uh, <clears throat> Rupert Thorne and his brother, the priest, that got more treatment, right? <laughs> more care than this did, and this is fucking Alfred, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah bring back that team and just redo this one. Yeah. I, I'm and get rid of red. Get rid of red claws. Yeah. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna chalk this up to, we we got to get one out the door. You know, it, yeah. it just feels like they. This one is a. Uh, Got to got to get it done. We got to hit our quota, kind of thing. They can't all be hard of ice. So, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> hey, I do actually. I do have one more answer for the question you posed sure. about have you uh, focused on the wrong panel? So at the end of, um, I think in Tokyo Ghost and in Chrononauts, I was so exhausted that I know that the writers were like really wanted me to do this. Focus my energy on this like city three point perspective shot, whatever it is, and I was so tired. I'm like, nope, that's gonna be. A smaller panel and the big panel is going to be a close-up of a face nice (laughs) (laughs) because i am tired i've given you all kinds of amazing things in the first three issues like just be happy with this and be thrilled that i'm getting it done on time yeah that you know that's that's one thing that i still haven't totally uh i'm still learning as an artist is um establishing shot or like city shot or exterior Mm -hmm. shot doesn't necessarily mean it has to be like the top third of your page you know right. it doesn't have to be a giant uh giant panel every time like uh yeah mike yeah. mike mignola is really good at doing it, he, a lot of times he's got like an establishing shot that's a tiny little panel of like a yeah. a, a very oh, hard right. graphic black and white like grid drawing of a building and it's like yeah, i wonder like in the a script, romanian tower with some bats and a sunset yeah and, and it's, it's like the size of a stamp right exactly <laughs> and i sometimes wonder if if those panels in in the scripts if the if the writers were like okay establishing shot of this building the building is important this is where a lot of the action happens so you know i'm, I'm guessing they're going to do like a big splashy three-point thing like maybe looking up from the ground to really show how big this like company is and then you get like mm-hmm. a uh three inch by two inch or yeah. three inch by one inch sliver of a panel that just yeah. says like and, later next to it or whatever and mike's like actually i drew it after right i drew it as you were saying that sentence and it's already yes here, so <laughs> it's done yeah but i mean he writes his own stuff so he has zero interest in drawing right. modern cities yeah. he wants to draw romania so exactly, the only yes. modern building he draws is like the headquarters in connecticut right yeah. which is basically a frank lloyd wright building which doesn't make sense but who cares it's awesome right yeah yeah <laughs> Um, and there isn't a single car in Hellboy ever, I think. <laughs> <laughs> he does not want to draw cars. It's very clear. And that's fine. It works for him. Yeah. He draws boats and dragons and all kinds of things. He's made a great <laughs> career for drawing exactly what he wants to draw, and I am incredibly envious of him. This is what I, So I interviewed Tom McFarlane a few days ago, and we were talking about this too. And he's like, man, when we started Image, like Jim wanted to do this team book, and Rob wanted this team book. I'm like, are those guys nuts? You know how many costumes you got to keep track of? Right. Like, Give me a guy in an alleyway with a bad attitude holding a gun at night. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I want to do too, Todd. Fuck these team books. <laughs> yeah. Um, have you listened to Rob Liefeld's podcast at all? No, you were t- uh, texting yeah, about it the other it's, day. It's, a, it's really interesting. It's, a, it's, a, it's all the backstage stories from that whole time. He did four episodes oh, on uh, Heroes Reborn, the whole sequence uh-huh. where Rob and Jim Lee went back to Marvel um in the uh-huh. late 90s it's really fascinating yeah. i highly recommend it 
Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna check it out. I mean, I, I, uh, I, I never met Rob. I respect him. Like he says a lot of really smart things sometimes. So I'm definitely looking forward to hearing that. Yeah, seeing yeah. what else he says. Yeah, absolutely. It's a good, a good. <laughs> it's a good listen. Um, yeah, cool. Yeah, so uh, that's gonna do it for Lion and the Unicorn. Uh, we will take a quick break and we'll be back with Showdown. <laughs> Showdown, story by Kevin Eltieri, Paul Dini, and Bruce W. Tim. Teleply, teleply. Uh, it's the first thing that's <laughs> absolute. Was it positive lies? Keep rolling. Wrong. Don't cut it. No, I, I, <laughs> Authent- I'm trying to think of the Authenticity, joke. Clay. Yeah. Uh, story by Kevin Eltieri, Paul Dini, and uh, Bruce Tim. Teleplay by Joe R. Lansdale, directed by Kevin Eltieri. And in this one, Ra's al Ghul narrates a story from his past in which Jonah Hex stops his plan to destroy the Transcontinental Railroad, which is being completed in 1883 by using a war blimp. Um, first big question. Mm-hmm. Why did they decide to use this episode of Batman to do a Jonah Hex episode that's basically the plot of Wild Wild West? Before Wild Wild West. Was too. it before Wild Wild West? Yeah. I think uh, so. Men in Black came out in '92. I think this was. Yeah, hold on. You you talk. I'll uh, do some research here. Uh, yeah, Wild Wild West is 1999. Yeah. Okay, uh, you're faster than I am. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I I um, get. I'm I. Th- this is part of why I was wondering if maybe they were running out of, if not running out of steam, just trying to figure out ways to do new stuff, because like. This has there's there's an episode of Miami Vice in the final season <laughs> of Miami Vice where uh, Crockett and Tubbs at this point they only show up for like five minutes an episode and it's turned into like the Swiatek and Zito show or whatever but well, Zito's dead at this <laughs> point but um, so this episode is <clears throat> Crockett and Tubbs at the beginning of the episode meeting these new hip young cops who are like 21 jump street type cops and uh crockett tubs are like okay we're gonna be your contacts you guys have to go undercover and figure out what's going on at this drug ring at high school and they're like okay guys (laughs) no problem and then the next 45 minutes is just these brand new characters who all suck doing this like lame backdoor pilot for this uh 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 21 jump street ripoff and then crockett and tubs show up again for like right before the credits and yeah. that's kind of what this feels like. It's right. it's actually a really well done episode, but I yeah. can't figure out why they decided <laughs> just to do a Jonah Hex episode. Though this generation of these writers loved Jonah Hex. Yeah. Like you you and I are too young to really get it, but it would be like me doing a, I got to do a Zorro story with Batman. Mm-hmm. People are like no one cares about Zorro. Like I don't care. I only have one. I got to do it now. Fuck you guys. I'll I'll make a Batman bookend. Ha. Sure. That's what I think happened here. <laughs> sure. And it was right after Unforgiven came out. Okay. Okay. So Unforgiven came out in 92, and I'm assuming this was uh, animated in 93 or 94. So it was kind of off the heels of like 90s uh, cowboy resurgence. Sure. So I think it kind of checked two boxes for them. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know for sure. I'm just guessing. Yeah. It's just, it's, I, I mean, I guess it's the only way if you want to do an old West story. Uh, save, yeah. uh, save for sending Batman 
back in time somehow, it's probably the only way you could get away with it. Yeah. Yeah. With um, the Lazarus pit thing. So he's got a son and maybe he's super old now, but who's to say this kid didn't dunk in the Lazarus pit at some point too to live I think, 100 and something years. I think that's what they say is that okay, when he okay. was a kid, he was in the Lazarus pit, but uh, he was in jail too long. So he couldn't go back into it again. Right. But, you know, it's funny because the bookend doesn't connect. Like, there's nothing in this, the railroad, for example, mm-hmm. that's connecting this, the, the, the two sides of the country together. There's no artifact that connects to modern-day Batman at all. The story has nothing to do with Gotham, right. nothing to do with Batman. Yeah. And Rachel, they could have had a bookend I was just gonna say, that did that. I was just going to say, Rachel Ghoul doesn't even do anything illegal. He bre- no. he breaks into a nursing home with fucking Spider-Man yep. ninjas in order to get his friend get his son well, and take his a son over home. the top. Yeah. Technically assault, breaking and entering like he did Why he didn't he did just wait wrong. until it was visiting hours and check him out? <laughs> that is a good question Have, actually. <laughs> he can roll up with Ubu and say, you know, this is my friend Ubu. I'm here to check my father out of out of this place. Uh his like, name yeah, is Okay, fine. His take name him, is uh Arcady Agul or whatever, right? Like, all right, you weirdo who named him this weird name. None of us at the nursing home yeah. know how to pronounce. So, Take him, fine. So yeah, it's 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 weird because it is a really ham-fisted, convoluted way to get. The, I mean, and it's literally he hands him a, a cassette tape where he tells him the entire yeah. story. <laughs> so it's yep. like this really convoluted uh, roundabout yep. way to do it. But once they get to the old West, I think all of that stuff is really cool. The animation is great. Yep. Um, I love, I love <laughs> Westerns. So I remember seeing this as a kid and thinking it was awesome. Yeah. Um, just the way they get, did you know there about Jonah bit. Hex before this? Uh, I don't think that I did. Maybe I did at yeah. that point. I honestly can't remember. I didn't know at all. I, I didn't, I don't, think it was until like 2005 ish i was talking to jimmy palmiotti who was writing jonah hex and uh i'm like wait a minute is that that episode of batman and i don't remember them saying jonah hex but they must have yeah they do yeah they do okay so i was just an idiot kid and i didn't connect the dots (laughs) yeah um i yeah i've always i've always had a i haven't read a ton of jonah hex but i think his his look is awesome he's a very cool looking character um, yeah. So yeah, it's fun to see this this uh, old west stuff. And um, Elizabeth Montgomery, the uh, is it Samantha from uh, Bewitched, the, uh, yeah. the main girl oh, from yeah. uh, from Bewitched, is the voice of the barmaid. And I believe this right. was the last thing she did before she died. Oh, oh, that's too bad. Yeah, she died pretty young. She had, I think, she had cancer. Yeah. A lot of oh, a lot of that going around. A lot of that going around, unfortunately. Cancer, not crushes. Oh. Crushes are great. Okay. Wait. So, do I make a joke or do I mourn the loss of someone who died? What's the energy right now? Uh, I we could just move on. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, shit. All I can think about is the bookend when I think about this episode. Um, so one thing I noticed about Jonah Hex is he used to be a slave, but he's white and he's wearing a Confederate jacket, like the Confederate colors. Is that part of I'm his sure thing? There's... He used to be a slave. Yeah. I guess I could. So I. I, we need a Jonah Hex fan to, to answer this in the comments, but why wouldn't Jonah Hex be black? And I'm not trying to just race swap sure. character, just earn liberal points, but it just seems like <laughs> it'd make a lot of sense, you know? Yeah. But then why would a black slave be wearing 
Confederate, you know, like a gray, you know, or, or for that matter, maybe he's not wearing, maybe he fought for the North. I don't know. And he just decided to put on a gray jacket at some point. I have no idea. Um, let's see. Oh yeah. He was, yeah, we he should, was sold into, sl- should have researched Accor- this. According to Wikipedia, his, uh, born in 1838 in Missouri, uh, Jonah was a regular victim of physical abuse as a child at the hands of his father. In 1851, mm. his father sold him into slavery to an Apache tribe. So it's oh, yeah. so he was sold into Indian okay. slavery. So that's, that's probably why. I guess um, that works. I mean, I don't know about Native American law in 1830s, <laughs> but I'm sure they would take a kid as trade. Yeah, um, I think the larger answer to your question is because I think that probably was a bit too hot button of a character for the time he was created although right. i mean he was created in 1972 i believe mm-hmm. and uh right. that seems like the perfect time to to create that a uh, character who's basically django from django yeah. unchained didn't they have a django jonah hex crossover comic uh, i believe they did yeah or wait if django is like i don't know if it was a- django and jonah hex i think it was django and zorro actually oh there we go. You know what? I always find a way to bring them. Zola, yeah, don't I? There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, but honestly, I mean, I would say if it wasn't for Django, although <laughs> there's no reason why there can't be more than one similar story. But I mean, if you're going to reboot Jonah Hex, that's a great idea because yeah. you turn him into a, 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 a black character who was a slave who uh, uh, probably doesn't fight for the Confederacy at that point. But yeah, probably not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I love the uh, uh, the stuff as a kid. I've never really been into westerns. I really like Young Guns one and two. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess Zorro kind of counts as a western. I didn't really get into uh, the spaghetti western stuff until later when I was learning more about film sure. and samurai movies. Sure. Uh, what was your uh, introduction to westerns? Um, I probably I think I came in through the Clint Eastwood stuff. Uh, whether it was the Italian ones. I I went through, when I discovered, oddly enough, I didn't like them for a long time when I was a kid, and then probably Mm -hmm. around like late high school, early college, they just just really clicked with me. And so I I got into all of the the Italian stuff, and uh, I love the Clint Eastwood stuff, whether it's the Leone stuff or even like Hang 'em High or High Plains Drifter or Unforgiven, Mm -hmm. obviously. I'm yeah. a b- big fan. I got into many arguments with people when I was younger about why Clint Eastwood was great and uh, jo- John Wayne was a piece of shit. And I stand yeah. by all of those arguments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the uh, 60s Western, obviously before my time, yours too. Um, Westerns got hot in the late 80s. Oh, sorry. No stupid yeah seven, 60s and 70s but that was the spaghetti stuff not the john wayne stuff yeah the john I wayne, the stuff, john wayne was, stuff had to be way earlier yeah the john wayne stuff was the the was more or less over by that point um got it okay yeah i had my dates wrong it was uh um, westerns were like the most popular genre in america for a very long time like every yeah all of the action adventure tv shows through the 50s yeah were either like war shows uh westerns yeah. or cop shows essentially it's crazy too. I mean, because the Western stuff, there was, I think there's only like 15 years mm-hmm. that the true quote Wild West was kind of a thing. And then it was over. So right. you had people like getting on airplanes in 1940 who like knew someone who 
was literally in the Wild West. Yeah. You know? John Wayne. It all kind of happened not that long ago. John Wayne, I believe, if it wasn't John Wayne, it was like a slightly older contemporary of John Wayne, went to Wyatt Earp's funeral. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It really does take the timeline of America and show how young of a country we are. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it is like you and I romanticizing, you know, World War II or even like just Vietnam. It's not that long ago. Right. It was right before we were born. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, it is also really interesting how it is this, not, not only is it not that long ago, but it's a very Mm -hmm. finite amount of time, like you're saying. It's not, yeah. It's not like the, the American, the the myth of the American West is something that reaches back for, decades yeah. and decades and decades it's like it's like you said it's like 25 years where they were out there yeah. expanding and then everything yeah. was over yeah we have been spending more time thinking about the wild west yeah. and making art about the wild west than actually existed in the wild west. exactly yes yeah. <laughs> like at the time they were like oh that was a weird 15 year period but it was over quickly and we moved on like you guys in the future are really obsessed with that we're like yeah man don't you know who john wayne is yeah well it's 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 a it's an era that mm-hmm. um due to mostly people writing about it was yeah. ripe for these yeah. like morality plays of good versus evil and stuff like that. Right. And then after you run, if you run the well dry of all those stories, you keep it interesting by making yeah. it an amoral or immoral uh, area right. where it's like, there's no good guys yeah. and no bad guys. And so it's, right. it's a, it's, it's a really fascinating and the, all the imagery is great. You know, it's just yeah. a very evocative look of everything with whether you're yeah. the hats alone, the once you add in like the dusters and <laughs> shit and people walking in from the, the, the desert and stuff. Yeah. It's just a it's just a great uh, evocative image yeah. of time. Totally. Yeah, man. Um, so it occurs to me the first Western I really saw as a kid was Back to the Future 3. Yeah, that was probably the first one I saw, too. Yeah. Yeah. I remember thinking, man, this is kind of interesting. Like, I'm sure there's a lot of nods going on here that i don't know i don't recognize because i haven't seen any goddamn one of these movies yes. before yeah. well that <laughs> the first two i remember i ever saw were back to the future three and three amigos and uh oh, yeah i always loved three amigos but i the only jokes that i got were the the joke jokes obviously mm-hmm. and once i was more well versed in in western movies going back and watching right. that movie again it's just like all references and stuff right. that I would never have picked up. Yeah. Do you prefer that movie or Blazing Saddles? Oh, I I don't I think they're I mean Blazing Saddles is a better movie, but I think uh <laughs> I love them equally probably. Yeah. <laughs> um have you uh uh I've been, I've never drawn a western. I it's one of the genres I have not hit mm-hmm. and it's such a clear missing it's missing from a yeah, that's my spreadsheet yeah. in my brain. Like, I've done sci-fi a few times. I got to do Samurais, Batman, Noir, whatever, Space, but never done Western. I think someday I'm going to have to. A lot of horses. What about you? A lot of horses, man. That's the drawback. <laughs> <laughs> what if it's like What if it's like a new spin on the West where instead of horses, it's like all the same. It's all the Old West, but instead of horses, <laughs> they ride motorcycles. <laughs> that I'm into. Yeah. Um, I have yeah. never uh, professionally drawn a Western. I did... I've done a few like uh, sample pages and stuff along the way. I actually did three Jonah Hex pages way back when, um, mm-hmm. as just like portfolio pages. Um, yep. Nice. But aside from that, I've I haven't done a perfect. I would love to. It's uh, right. I mean, there's so many I think people I mentioned, who have done uh, I me- done it great that it's it's tough to top at this point. But 
Yeah, I mean that's the thing because you know Image was doing they're greenlighting all these sci-fi books one after the other for years now, and um, even Tokyo Ghost I made the same mistake. You know Rick and I were talking about just doing straight up samurai, and we're like, well, it's a comic. It really needs flying cars and laser guns mm-hmm. and blah blah blah. So we made it like sci-fi samurai whatever. And I wish we hadn't. I wish we had just gone with straight up Samurai sure. because everyone else at Image, we didn't know this, Image didn't tell us, like, hey, you guys can do what you want, but just so you know, everyone else is doing sci-fi this year. Um, so I wish we had just done straight up Samurai, and I feel like right now is a great time to release a straight up Western from Image. Although you could argue that Walking Dead is kind of a Western. Sure, and it in that sort of like uh, meta or postmodern yeah. kind of way, sure. Um, yeah. yeah, I know there's there's one book, I don't know if it's still going, but it was going for a long time, called East of West, that is... Oh, that's right. Yeah. Again, sci-fi western. That's though. a sci-fi western, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, that'd be, I'd be interested to see how a, a straight-up western does uh, in the market at this point. Yeah. That's the thing. You know, the, the, the desire for that might not be huge. Like, I love pirate stuff, but I don't think pirate stuff is really big right now sure and uh i'm willing to bet that western stuff's kind of hit and miss too like red redemption came out and that probably you know fanned the flames a little bit um that again the new western to me seems like it's walking dead that's sort of the new version in a way Mm -hmm. Um, and even that is like if if the new western is like the post-apocalypse kind of thing even that's pretty played out at this point yeah exactly um but uh, i did uh i mentioned before i did draw the man with no name in the back of why drew a in Joe the Barbarian, I drew a toy that looked oh, right. like a cowboy. Yes. And it was the most generic-looking cowboy. It was like he had a poncho and it had a scribble on it. And it was it was nothing. It was the size of a thumbprint. And uh, it was massive, a two-page spread of all these characters who were clearly rip-offs of IP. Mm-hmm. Like Bumblebee, Picard, Lobo. Well, you know, Disney or... DC, DC owns DC Lobo, owns that. Yeah. But uh, the one that they had a problem with was like, you got to change the man no name because whoever owned that comic was very litigious and they just didn't want to get sued. That's really interesting because, so. yeah, you did straight up like <laughs> not even trying to hide it, draw Jean-Luc Picard in that book. <laughs> they, yeah, they, they, they changed it with colors and like I drew He-Man and I drew the exact, um, the, the, the straps that He-Man wears mm-hmm. with like the red cross in the middle. Like I drew all that stuff exactly and I think that they moved some stuff around and post I'm glad that they did, because honestly, I should have thought twice before doing that, but I was an idiot. Sure. Um, but yeah, the man with no name, that was just, to this day, I'm stunned. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, getting back to the actual episode for a little bit, I guess. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> um, how, how do you, how, what's your take on, on the, the meat of this, the Jonah Hex story? Uh, I like it. It was pretty straightforward. Um, the bounty hunter. I love the voice actor they got to do Jonah Hex. Mm-hmm. I love the look of him. I love how he was older and gruff. Mm-hmm. Like I remember as a kid being like, oh, this is cool. He's like an older guy, but he can still handle himself. I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it involves some steampunk type stuff by the end of it. Um, and you got some of Rachel Ghoul's environmentalism in there, wanting to stop the railroad and all that. Yeah. Which I know for you, like you didn't know he was environmentalist at all until no. this series. I but you know, interestingly, I think it works better in this story than it did in the first story. Because the yeah. first story where he's just like large umbrella trying to stop the world from re- destroying mm-hmm. the environment or some shit, that's kinda hard to wrap your brain around. Whereas uh-huh. in this one, he's knowing that he's cares about the environment and whatnot. His plan is very specific to stop 
the expan- Western expansion through the railroad destroying all of this, uh, all of this land mm-hmm. and whatnot. But it has a, it has a uh, nicely twisted supervillain aspect where he's like, I'm going to stop the railroad and then I'm going to go straight to Washington and have them make me, I'm going to force them to declare master me of master America. of America. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like, I, I think, I think his thing works here because it's a little bit more focused in on exactly what he's trying to do and what he's trying to stop. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Do you, uh, would you want to draw an airship? Uh, I, I don't have anything against it. Um, I, I, I haven't done a lot of aerial vehicles yet really. So I think it would probably take me a little bit to wrap my mind around exactly how it worked and looked and stuff. Um, But uh, yeah, I uh, like I w- every time I flip through the wake, those ships that you drew at the end of the wake just make my my eyes hurt for how many lines, oh. how many lines you had to take keep track of and perspective and stuff. It's oh yeah, I had a two page spread that was a, a, a whiff, like I swung and I missed. It was like a, a giant uh, airship landing on a cliff, mm-hmm. and I went with giant two page spread panel. This massive thing. I mean, the the original art itself is like very little detail. It's really color based, and Matt did a good job on colors as he always does. But I wish I had done a more impressive shot than like a side view of a of an airship. I think in my head I thought the massive size of this thing will carry the panel. Like that's what I'm relying mm-hmm. on. It's just this huge shape. Like, is it an easy panel? Yes, but maybe it'll be effective. And as I look back at that, I'm like, nope, not effective. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But eventually, I had to draw so many of those things. I, I started to make sense of it later on. <laughs> How do you feel about um, the kind of steampunky element? Like, what would you, I'm kind of torn because it does keep it kind of interesting from a kid show angle, where it's like it's not just the the oh, West. That's a good question. It's not just the West I never about that. because the West yeah. can be kind of boring for kids. Like I said, I didn't. I thought westerns were really boring until I actually mm-hmm. was a little bit older and kind of could appreciate them a little bit more. Uh, which is right. which is ironic going off a little bit of a tangent because, like when my dad was a kid, kids loved westerns. So I I don't know right. I don't know where the disconnect yeah, comes I, from. I know. But, um, well, because your dad liked westerns, so you and I are automatically have like a eh, my dad liked the Hardy Boys. Yeah, I don't like the Hardy Boys. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, uh, w- how do you feel about the steampunk nature of it versus if they had just done like a more ground level western with Jonah yeah, Hex. fighting on a train instead of a sure airship. sure yeah you know even as a kid i thought that's kind of a science fiction twist because you know steam technology as amazing as it is i don't think it would have gotten you all the stuff that they were drawing right. so there's some fantasy elements in there and i don't think it's it's impressive but you're right like i'm now i'm wondering about the version of the story that's just a straight up chase on a train or something yeah yeah, because like I, do you, do you like it? I I'm I'm on the fence because I I do find I do think it's interesting. I think what they do is really nice. Like I said, the animation is great. Uh, I love the sword fight uh, between Arcady and Jonah Hex on like the the deck of the airship. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I don't I don't know that you get that much more that you wouldn't get out of uh yeah if they were on like a giant train or something or. Yeah. Something a little bit more grounded. I'm not sure. Especially because they're fighting the railroad. And if right, they have a train right. heading towards D- Washington, D.C., I don't know. Yeah, if the train was the bomb or something. <laughs> yeah, ooh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, because that, because Jeff. That's cool. Uh, I, I don't, it, when I see that stuff now, anyway, as a kid, you don't, I don't think you really think about this, but 
at watching it now, my first question was like, where did Rachel Ghoul get all these men? Like, what is he like? Well, you, you have to get rid of that. You can't ask yourself that question when you watch Batman. Period, yeah, it, because everyone. I, I just it's like it's like that question of like who built the Death Star? Sort of like how many <laughs> how many people did they actually kill when they blew the Death Star up? Because if it's like the right. size of a small moon and just like <laughs> maintenance staff alone is I you know right. I, I don't want to lift an entire scene from Clark's here, but yeah. I would love for you to do a one shot about the brand managers. Great great grandfather <laughs> selling all this stuff to Rachel Gould. <laughs> and then he's like, I, I've made place. so much money. Slight- I'm going to leave the West. I'm moving back to Gotham and I'm buying a piece of land that my son is going to inherit. You got to do a little bit of a Western twang, though, but generally keep that accent. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I can add a Western twang to that accent. I, I, I couldn't. In my brain, I'm like, can I do that? I'm like, nope, yeah. I can't do it at all. <laughs> Uh, oh, I mean, I'm I'm more I'm just waiting for the the high sign to do six issues of just the brand manager. So, yeah, man. I mean, you know, we've got the. I, I think I've mentioned this every podcast that you do and I do now, but we have this ep- this villain called the producer who's basically setting up new villains in Gotham, and it's begging to have a brand manager guy working with him somehow oh, no, providing see, all of this like used stage equipment I think and whatever. I think it's the opposite. I think the brand manager would be would not like the producer cuz the producer's trying to horn in on his territory. Cuz brand manager Conflict. is the one guy they all come to for their shit and then the producer shows up like a friggin' yeah. Halloween store and he's right. like, "Well, you know, he's a new guy. I've been doing this for 35 years." Yeah. The all of a sudden Walmart show like- villain Walmart shows up and putting me out of business. <laughs> Yeah, the brand brand manager is like very old school, pretty grounded guy, guy of the street, blue collar. And the brand manager is like a liberal art reject guy who just loves stage, dresses in a stage curtain, whatever. Yeah, he's just inherited inherited money. You know, brand manager's (laughs) been doing the family business for 30, for 45 years. And all of a sudden the producer shows up with his, you know, inherited money (laughs) and just throwing stuff around, making new gimmick villains. And it just doesn't sit well with him. Yeah, and yeah, and then you know the brand manager can actually create his own new villain using scraps from around his warehouse. Like I've got you know a nice leather jacket over there. You can be uh, whatever the fuck, just be that. I go after this guy, take down my competition, whatever. Yeah, hi, Mr. Producer. It's nice to meet you. I'd like to introduce you to my newest creation, my fucking lawyer. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So you know, it just occurred to me because they have an airship in this. Gotham City has police airships. They could have done a, conne- a way to connect it in that sense. Like, yeah. I don't know. You Maybe know, I, I, <laughs> I, I get what they're trying to do where they're like, they're really grasping for a hook to make this not only relevant to Batman, the show, but also but like, kids. well, not also to kids, but just like having this twist at the end about it being his son is like a desperate attempt to give the story some meaning. Other yeah. than it just for all being, of those of you who wondered why the hell we would yeah. waste twenty two of your minutes doing a cowboy story, well, that's a son. Yeah, boom. Yeah, everyone leave. Don't ask any questions. News conference over. Right, exactly. <laughs> like it, it's, I don't know. I think I think they could have figured out a way to tie it in a little bit better. And I mean, Rachel Gould was really leaning on his ability to sell this story to Batman on a cassette. Tape. I know he must have been an incredible. Who was like, I don't know. Maybe maybe we shouldn't snatch your kid in the middle of the night. Maybe maybe Batman will listen to the tape. Maybe he doesn't have. Maybe he's got a CD player. <laughs> 
Yeah, what and if, uh, that actor who's what's his name? Uh, who does David Ration? David Warner? He's like, we got David Warner. He can sell anything on tape. Yeah. Fucking Batman is going to believe every word he says on this tape. Roll. I know. Could you imagine if like Batman <laughs> pulled up and he's like, oh, I see. Did you listen to the tape? And Batman's like, actually, no, I, uh, <laughs> I, I didn't pay for the tape deck. I just have an AM radio. It was Robin's turn to play the music today, and he picked the Beach Boys. Yeah. You know, the tape was in the deck. Robin popped it out. He threw in the flock of seagulls, and I, you know, I, I couldn't say no. <laughs> Why was it important? I just love the way you're under arrest. I love that song they do. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this is the last time we see Rachel Ghoul in the series. Then is it really? Wow. Wow. It might be. They don't, he doesn't come back in the the second series. The re- maybe in the season, what I know is season four. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I'm not think. I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Let's see. Do a quick. Uh, he should have because there were some. There was a couple of real. Yeah. No. He bad, uh, bad episodes. He shows up in. It says he appeared in Batman the animated series. Then he appears in Superman the animated series, and he shows up in Batman Beyond. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Wow. Man, what a yeah. what a really weird use of Rachel Ghoul in this show. Because <laughs> I there's an episode I think of him in season four that has these fucking farm animals as villains. And you're telling me <laughs> that they should have? Why can't you not do that and do Rachel Ghoul? Yeah, like I I I feel like Rachel Ghoul's presence in my memory is so much bigger than his actual appearances on this show. Yeah, it's the actor, man. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, and uh, the guy who plays his son is. Um, Malcolm McDowell from uh, Clockwork Orange and oh, you know a, a million other movies. Yeah, cool. Um, so, what would you draw on this? I think I would probably draw. Uh, I, I get maybe I might be only thinking this because I'm in the middle of drawing like a a sword fight sort of thing for my book Bloody uh. Hell. I would do the yep. the knife and sword fight uh, with Jonah Hex on the uh, and Arcady on the deck of the ship, um, just because. Yeah. That's really cool. I would honestly, I would draw anything with Jonah Hex. If I wanted to be, if I wanted to yeah. to choose the easier answer, I would just want to do like a solid classic Western splash page of Jonah Hex mm-hmm. in like a, a old Western town or some something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to go for the sword fight too, um, obviously. But uh, I'm trying to think of a more interesting answer. Maybe one of Batman putting the tape listening the tape to the tape yeah <laughs> and it's like that's remember cd it those really expensive tapes that C, sony used to sell you and they were supposed to be better at recording off of cds it was bullshit no i don't remember that at all but uh i would go real specific to like 1992 technology certain types of tape players no one would read this it would be a terrible scene no one would <laughs> want to see me draw it <laughs> i'm not saying this is a good what, idea <laughs> what if you did what if you did um you do the beginning of the this is a whole whole issue right you do the yep. beginning where rachel Gould kidnaps the guy then you get to the scene where batman gets into the car and he sees the tape is there but uh, mm-hmm. uh his tape player is broken so he has to listen to it with headphones through his walkman and then the next <laughs> 15 pages <laughs> Is Batman driving to meet Rachel Ghoul, listening to his headphones? So he's hearing the story, but we don't get to yeah. hear what the story is. So you're not you're right. not doing it narrative boxes. You're just like Batman driving with headphones on, and then all of a sudden his like eyes will widen at like a really exciting part. 
<laughs> and then when he gets out at the end, Raish is like, I see you listen to the tape. And he's like, I did. It was amazing. I just, I, like, oh. I, I can't even describe <laughs> how good that story one. was. <laughs> you Totally. You're free. I understand you now completely. <laughs> no, what I love about the Walkman idea is you can do uh, the walk, the Sony Walkman, the sport, which was yellow. Mm-hmm. And it had like it would it was skip free for twelve seconds, whatever, and then it would start start skipping, and that would totally be on his belt. It would blend in perfectly because he has a yellow belt. Yes, yeah, that would be a great. Uh, I, I bet there's someone out there who's done one of those like uh, redesigns where it's like the Batman characters, but they're all in high school. And I'm sure somebody put a yellow Walkman or a Discman yeah. on his belt. Yeah, yeah. I can't believe that no one has thought of a way to create like a retro style Walkman looking thing that holds your phone. And I'm sure someone has. Oh, I think yeah, I think they I have. I know it. there's definitely wa- retro looking Walkman things that are actually like uh, MP3 players or something like that. So it, it, it's yeah. out there. Yeah. You know, I do miss the headsets that those came with because they went into your ears and it was the classic over the head type thing. It was a cheap piece of wire. But I love those, and I fucking hate the earbuds. I don't yeah, know I don't if like my ears are, are too narrow or whatever. I've never found a good – even like the Beats that are super expensive, I've never had good luck with those things. Yeah, <laughs> once they once they started coming out with earbuds that didn't have a wire, I'm like, I, those are going to fall out of my ear on day one yeah. like and fall yeah. into a, a sewer grate, and that's going to be like yeah. $100 down the drain, literally. Yeah. <laughs> I went on a deep search to find the best headphones, Bluetooth, and they're like, they cover my ears. They're super big and clumsy, uh, but they work great. It sounds great. I haven't had to replace them yet, and they're as awkward as they look. I know they're not the coolest thing, mm-hmm. but whatever. I love them. Yeah. Yeah, I've always liked the over-the-ear ones, but, you know, I guess yeah. we're, we're just we're just <laughs> old men at this point. Old men <laughs> screaming about cartoon shows on the internet. It just happens, man. There's no way to get around it. Like, how many things do you say a day that sounds like stuff that your dad might have said? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, it's <laughs> every 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 day I, I do something where I, I do that exact same thing. We're like, oh, my God. That's yeah. something exactly like, something my father has done. Like, he's defending John Wayne. We're defending Sony Walkman. Or Clint Eastwood at this point. I mean, Clint Eastwood Clint is, Eastwood. is yeah, in the same better. position as that John Wayne was when I was a kid by this point. You know? <laughs> Yep. Um, Regardless so of who they answer? were as pe- who they were or are as people and their political beliefs, Clint Eastwood had oh, always yeah. made better movies than John Wayne. John Wayne is a terrible yep. actor, always has been. I don't understand yep. the appeal. Yep. I'll stop there. <laughs> I used to you get. I had uh, when Clint I was younger. Sorry, I'm going off now. I when I when I was younger, I used to legitimately ask questions back when IMDb had a message board. I would be like, could somebody please tell me what you see in John Wayne as an actor? And every single time I did that, someone removed the thread. (laughs) And I don't know why. (laughs) I wasn't trying to start a fight. I was just legitimately interested in what was appealing about John Wayne. Because I I would watch, like, have you ever watched uh, The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance? Great, great movie. It's, uh, uh, um, fuck, the guy from uh, It's a Wonderful Life, whose name is uh, Jimmy Stewart. Um. Jimmy Stewart Jimmy Stewart, yep. and John Wayne, Lee Marvin. I can't remember who the, the female lead is because uh, they were pretty uh, relegated to the background in these Westerns. It was probably like Donna Reed or something. Um, yep. And it's, you know, Jimmy Stewart's awesome. Uh, Lee Marvin is awesome. You got John Wayne. The only thing he's there to do is look cool and say one-liners, and he can't even do it right. You know, it's like yeah. it's just like that's the best take we had. We need to move on. 
Is he the Keanu Reeves of that generation? No, no, because <laughs> Keanu Reeves is seems to legitimately be an amazing person, and John Wayne is a piece of shit. <laughs> Politically, too. Yes, yes. <laughs> I think he said some stuff that both the right and left are not cool with now. Some of the stuff he said did not age no, well. I don't care who you voted he's a, for. He's a trash person. They should not name an airport <laughs> after him. Anyway. I mean, how did he even get started? I mean, was it, was it his swagger? It wasn't his six-pack. It wasn't his acting he ability. Was, it wasn't that he was good-looking. Well, he started in, in uh, I believe he started, well, thank you for coming to the John Wayne podcast. <laughs> the, the, the John Wayne the Sucks thing that podcast. you never thought you'd be a part of, Clay. Yeah. Uh, I, I believe he <laughs> got his start in um, silent era westerns, like the tail end of the silent era. And right. uh, then he was just on the forefront of the of the Western boom when the uh, uh, the sound movies came in. And he was a really handsome mm-hmm. guy when he was young. And so I think uh, okay. his stature, because he was a big dude. So I think his mm-hmm. his presence and his look got him a long way. And he does have a very specific style, if you want to call it a style. I think it's just him sounding <laughs> like an idiot. Uh, but he has a very s- specific style of delivering uh, lines, yeah. not unlike someone like Arnold Schwarzenegger or something, you know, where it's like right, right, right. whether or not he's a well, good actor is is up for debate. But the way he says stuff is so yeah. identifiable that that becomes part of the brand, you know? Yeah, it is a little bit Stallone like in some ways because he has a way of saying things that only he he's he's bigger than the characters. Exactly. In yes. a way. Yeah. It's a it's a shtick. It's a cheap shtick, maybe, but you know it works for some people. Right? Yeah. You're, um, you're going when you go to see but, a John Wayne movie. That's what you're go, you're going to see a John Wayne movie. You're not going to right. see a movie starring John Wayne. He he never right. falls into the character the way some other people do. Right. Like I went to see Schwarzenegger movies. I didn't care that it was Eraser. Right. I'm like whatever. Right. Schwarzenegger. Um. I heard a story about I. I don't know a lot about John Wayne. I heard he was a dick. Maybe that's not true. If someone who's related to him is listening to this, I apologize. Uh, <laughs> Way to go to bat for John Wayne. <laughs> at, this, at this point. <laughs> okay. Um, he, uh, I guess he was in a movie and uh, later on in his career and they wanted him to lose a fight or he was the bad guy or some shit like that. Mm-hmm. So he had a fist fight, rumbling and tumbling in the dirt and tumbleweeds. And he was supposed to lose and he gets hit and knocked down, and then they all cut. And he gets up, and he punches the other actor in the face just because he's John Wayne, mm-hmm. and he doesn't ever lose a fight. Sure. If that, if that story's true, and for the sake of this argument, I'm going to just pretend that it's 100% true, what a fucking asshole. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sounds right. I, I believe it. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it sucks, because someone who's related to John Wayne, who only hears shit about his great-great-grandfather, is like, you know what? I'm going to take a day off from being a Wayne. I'm going to listen to a Batman podcast. Mm. Oh, this one has Jonah Hex in it. Please don't mention my dad. Please don't mention my great-great-grandfather. <laughs> hey, well, maybe maybe he'll get lucky, he or she'll get lucky, and he'll find out yep. that uh, 100 years ago or 500 years ago, his family got switched, and he's not really a Wayne. So there you go. There you go. Case closed. Ooh. Pulling it back to Batman. Yeah. Boom. Uh, has anyone done a story where Bruce Wayne is related to John Wayne? Ooh, I don't. I, I don't know actually that would be interesting that that should have been that should have been the, that should have been the crux of Curse of White Knight is that Asriel tells Batman that he's related to John Wayne and Bruce is just so appalled by that no, no he dives into it he's like oh 
and he loves John Wayne. He's like, I'm going to start walking around like that now. You're in the wrong town, Riddler. You're I, not getting the past sound of him me, walking. Azrael. <laughs> well, uh, saddle up there, Robin. Put on your gay little slippers and let's go for some adventures. That, does, that sounds like accurate John Wayne dialogue, yes. <laughs> that, right, that's right. It's not offensive because I didn't say it. <laughs> right. John Wayne would have said that. Yeah, theoretical everybody. John Wayne. That's who you should have the problem with, not Sean. I think we. I can't wait till we see the John Wayne YouTube channel attack us in the comments section. <laughs> I've been waiting for that fight my whole life. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, what, what would you rate this episode? Um, I'm going to go uh, uh, low four. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm so conflicted because I, I think it is. <laughs> I think it is four level execution. But it's yep. just the way that they ham-fistedly jammed this Jonah Hex episode. I, I, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to let that bother me. It's a four. It's good. It's worth watching. Yeah. The story's a lot of fun. But it, it seems to know that it's doing that, right, though. Yeah. It knows that it's weakly tethered. Right, yeah, yeah. I also think, um, I, I don't know this for sure, and I don't see it listed anywhere, but I think this is the first time a non-Batman-affiliated DC Comics character shows up in the show. Because Zatanna has shown up, but she is like has like a tangential relationship to Batman. But Jonah Hex right. is not never comes anywhere near Batman. You know, he's just another DC <laughs> Comics character. Huh. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. So it's like it's like if Booster Gold showed up or something, you know? Which he eventually does in Batman. Well, guess with, with Justice League, rather. Right. Yeah. Justice League, they kind I of think. break the dam open on that, but they, uh, yeah. they have, Are we going to review all those? I've never seen all the Justice Leagues, and I'm not sure I have the patience to sit through some of Well, that we stuff. have to finish this show first, and then we have to do okay. Batman Beyond. And then, uh, all right, hopefully I'll be dead by yeah, then. Seven, <laughs> seven years from now, uh, if, we're looking for, if we're still doing this and looking yeah. for something to do, maybe we can move to this. <laughs> well, I might have to fast forward it, because I do want to dive into some of that stuff for future volumes of White Knight. So I, and I, instead of reading a bunch of comics, I just would rather watch the cartoon. Right, right. <laughs> Get to take the why, notes. why read the comics, you know? It's not like, it's <laughs> it not like you're forever, working Clay. or anything. You actually read a comic book? No, uh. I know how this works at this point. I read the comics, <laughs> you ask me the questions, and you write the book. <laughs> you're my Wikipedia, yeah. man. You're my data. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and a really great editor and a friend. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> Is that John Wayne speaking or is that Sean? <laughs> so that's going to do it for uh, Showdown and Lion and the Unicorn. Uh, if you like the show, please give us a rating review on iTunes. That would be much appreciated. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can shoot us an email at uh, badasspo- badasspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, once we finish the season, we're going to do another wrap-up episode. And uh, I'm thinking, I, I believe, um, the Mr. Freeze movie uh mm-hmm. animation style wise is in line yeah. with this series so i figure we'll probably yes. do yeah, that yeah we have to watch that in between yeah we'll do that between seasons 3 and 4 and we'll probably double that up and do like uh like we did with mask of the phantasm we'll do mr freeze Great. and uh, a question and answer if people are still listening by that point if it's if it's just <laughs> the extended estate of john wayne sending us hate mail i don't know if we'll do it but um oh man but yeah so uh uh that's going to do it for these two. Uh, thanks for joining us. Next time, we'll be back with uh, show. No, we just did Showdown. Next time, we'll be back with Riddler's Reform and Second Chance. So uh, we'll see you guys then. Thanks, guys. Let me die, Drew!